one of the main issues that I am constantly having to sort in my mind is who am I listening to and what am I doing with that information? Because the past year and a half has been such a constant news cycle of not only negativity, but devastation, like really, really bad things constantly, almost to overload. And so... Wait, wait, wait. Yes. On, for us, for, the, for us living in America... I mean, right. everybody's been affected by the last year and a half. Yeah, but I mean, like... Look at Australia. I mean, they're building containment centers currently, you know? like I think they call them concentration camps. No. Contain- Quarantine. Quarantine. Quarantining. Still starts with a k. Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on our podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. It is a wearing down. It's been a wearing down, and I think that it's impacted people so differently depending on where you're at and what your um, political leanings have been, how you've responded to it. I think corporately there's so much anxiety, so much fear, so much apprehension of who to even talk to and who can you be honest with about your thoughts and your feelings. That's kind of created this, um, I don't know, it's like the idea of isolation, you know, how we've had to isolate. I think that was a physical thing and now it's become like a, mental thing as well, a emotional thing, how we even feel isolated in that, you know, like we're our own little islands because we can't be real with people anymore. And then you just have yourself constantly bombarded every day with new devastating things. Um, I mean, it, it's just a lot. And so I'm, I'm not... I'm not saying that I'm not looking towards the word. Like, the word is powerful always in every circumstance. But everything feels so big, it's hard to not be fatalistic one way or the other and feel like you have some control or power. It's almost like you just feel swept up in everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you think our response should be? Maybe not, like, I'm not thinking response as in, I need to go out and advocate or protest. But what do you think our response should be first, individually? Well, you know, you and I, we've been very quiet publicly about a lot of our political opinions. And just because we haven't wanted to make any barriers for right for the gospel for ways that we can encourage people no matter where they're at politically and i and i and i don't think that's unwise to be like that but i think we've reached a crux you and i where we feel like we need to be vocal about certain things that we feel passionate about because staying silent is no longer an option um so what you're saying we need to do first I think is trust that we do have a role and trust that the Lord is not, um, that we are not powerless. Like that we do have, we do have a, a role to play in this and that we do have power in, in it. Like what that extent may be, I don't know. Um, I mean, because I could just say, well, we pray. Obviously, we pray. Obviously. <laughs> that goes yeah. without saying, obviously, yeah. we pray. Yeah. But more than that, it's realizing whatever audience I have, whether it's just my kids or, you know, my small group, that that is a valuable audience to be encouraging and speaking truth into and be seeking the Lord for. Um. That, does that make sense? That's yeah. kind of where I feel like right now where I'm at, like, what is my what is my circle of influence and how should I be influencing? What does that look like? What so what areas in our life, you and I, do you feel like we need to be more vocal in? 
Right? Like, I mean, because that's the question. Because, well, and then the other thing I, I guess I'm wondering is, is this for everyone? Is everyone called to have a voice and take a stand? And Yes. Oh, okay. Why? Because if we, if everybody stays silent, then just the loudest people win. Right? What you say? So... Everyone is called to take a stand and speak out? I guess define take a stand. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe the, maybe the way I'm seeing it is like, uh, you need to be talking politics with everyone, with your friends, everyone. I'm not even talking about talking politics. So what are you talking about then? I think... The subjects, important subjects? Things that you think are true. Things that you think are important. Um, Okay, so for example, something that um, our pastor has been very vocal on is the sanctity, sanctity of human life. Yeah. Right? And with, I mean, we are pro life and... With that, he's been very vocal on the ways that the vaccine has used um, embryos that mm-hmm. is using aborted cells, you know, to to for medical purposes, and that's wrong. It's wrong, and that's something that he has been incredibly firm on. That we as Christians need to value what the medical field is doing and how they are profiting. Yeah, from abortions that that is an ethical issue. And I think that um, that is a really important issue that we should be talking about. Like if we are okay with the vaccines being manufactured, I mean, <laughs> among other host of other things, yeah. but if we're okay with... Well, even calling them, I know like the discussion is even, do we call them vaccines? Are they actual vaccines? Are right. They... I mean, yeah. So yeah. there's a bunch of other issues, yeah. but this one issue is one yeah. that he has been specifically... Very... Very laser yeah. focused on. So th- that's something where he's felt called to advocate for, for mm-hmm. human life. Okay. Yeah. Now, a pastor has a wider reach than um, just a congregate, unless that congregate has, you know, an active role in the community or mm-hmm. is, you know, on the part of the city, running part of the city, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Or happens to have a podcast or something. Yeah. But I think we (laughs) all are in conversation all the time with other people. I think it's become more common to stay. And this is, and this is kind of like this, this podcast is hard for me because I'm still thinking through a lot of this stuff. So I'm, a lot of my conversations I have are with people that agree with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're safe. It's safe to have a conversation with someone that agrees with you. What is the benefit of having a conversation with someone that doesn't agree with you? What is the benefit of starting a conversation with someone you don't know and getting into politics? Is there any benefit? Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, does that hinder the gospel? Does that hinder your ability to speak truth and life to that person? Well, I guess like when, regardless, uh, I guess when your politics Okay, this this is going to come out wrong. Wouldn't your politics be the gospel? Like, like what I'm talking about is like one. Uh, okay, using specifics, uh, dealing with you know either pro-choice or pro-life. Like, no, I believe you know life starts at conception. Uh, former science used to back that up. Uh, isn't that the gospel? That's what I'm saying is, like, at what point, though, do people say, this is the gospel, everyone needs to believe this, as opposed to, no, this is the gospel, and everyone has to, like, take this on. You know what I'm saying? Like, the two different approaches, I guess. Um, I just I don't think that if you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus that you're going to start with abortion, you know, like that— <laughs> It's just not a good segue in casual conversation. And unless, I think, unless but, but I think that's what we're all abortion. feeling. We're yeah. all feeling that everything is so big, everything yeah. is so heavy, that our friends and our family, are, we're already in these deep 
conversations, these, I mean, I think probably the people that we are talking to the most that might have differing views are family members, yeah. you know, because you can't get away from that. And there's, if they think, well, even, man, even some of our closest friends have said their biggest issue is their family. Right. And so yeah. if you have this reality in your life that they feel like the most loving thing they can do is convince you to go do something you don't want to do, or you don't feel, uh, like you should be doing, then there's this conflict. And so, you know, I think the most honest or hardest conversations people are having are not with strangers. It is with people that love them and care about them, or at least are in their family, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which this is, this is getting convoluted because we're, we're talking about how do we, how do we talk to people regularly? Yeah. Share our viewpoints be a light mm-hmm. and still be have an opinion have feel that feel that our point of view is worth talking about right so well and i wouldn't even say feel our opinions that word feeling it is like the things that we believe are worth talking about not i just don't feel like i have a voice no you do i think that's some of the pushback is right. people feeling like they don't have a voice? Well, I well, don't like, want to... It's like what I was saying, feeling powerless, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes and yes. Yes? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And being overwhelmed. Everybody's <laughs> overwhelmed all the time. I mean, they're just tired. We're all tired. We're all tired for yeah. the past year and a half. And the, we want to not be thinking about it, not be talking about it, unless it's people we agree with because it's too hard yeah. to talk to people that don't agree with our point of view. But if we don't, it's interesting. So you were talking to Ari earlier. Was it today or yesterday? <laughs> to what story? It was about, um, weren't you talking to her about the concentration camps? Or, or like Germany, what happened in Germany? No. What were you talking about? It was about how she's like, is it you? Were, you were saying it's a slow progression. It was not Ari. That was, was a woman at the a store. I was at. Oh really? Yeah. I thought it was Ari. No. I must have heard half the conversation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we were just talking about how <laughs> massive policy changes, massive worldview, massive worldview changes. People's acceptance of horrible things doesn't happen overnight, that it happens through a slow acceptance of small things over time, right? Like back when they first passed abortion laws, I'm pretty sure they didn't say, and eventually we want to get to a place where we're using aborted babies for research and injecting them into people. Like, you know, which I know people are going to be like, they don't actually inject the babies, but they are using aborted babies. It's big business to yeah. use yeah. aborted babies. So, and the closer the close the closer to birth you can get, the better the stem cells are. Right. So, but if we don't talk about it, if we don't push back against it, if we don't deal with each slight change as it comes, we're going to wake up one morning and everything's going to be changed and everything's yeah. going to be acceptable. Which. You know, there's so much double talk. There's so much, uh, there's so much gaslighting for everything. Because if your simple person stands up and goes, "Wait a minute, this sounds wrong," then they'll they'll or, hit you with, "You're not educated. You don't know what right. you're talking about. You're you're mis you're misconstruing the facts." Right. So people get scared. Because if they have a question or they have a concern. Well, that's what I was going to say is like even people who are like, wait, I have a question about that. No. Right. How dare you question yeah. me? I'm smarter than you are. I have all these letters in my name and it's, it is discouraging. So, yeah. for example, years ago when my kids were babies, um, I was taking Arian to get a vaccine. And um, she was, it was in her, you know, the lineup of shots they give them. And they're really little. And I was really concerned with the DPT because um, her biological mom, um, I actually was older than her. So uh, we adopted from my sister. So my sister, when she got the DPT, she was a baby. And she started, she had a reaction to it. She had fever seizures. 
and she almost died on the living room floor. And I was littler, you know, six, I want to say. But I watched this. And mm-hmm. the ambulance came, watched her turn blue. I watched my mom freaking out, thinking she was going to die. It was a really serious situation, okay? She had a serious response to this vaccine. Fast forward, she's, she has a severe egg allergy as an adult, so much so that her throat starts to close, things start, you know. It's anaphylactic. Yes. So when Ari went in to get her first vaccine, the same type, I was concerned. Right. So I said to the doctor, hey, I want to talk about this vaccine because there is some genetic concern here. And she wouldn't even talk to me. She just shut me down, acted like I was an idiot. And um, that she was so much smarter than me and that I was just a naysayer on vaccines because I even wanted to have a conversation. Right. And I actually had legitimate concern. And um, it was very, very discouraging. It made me furious because she didn't even let me Mm -hmm. explain herself. She immediately felt the need to shut me down because she was a doctor and I wasn't. Right. And um, I feel like that's happening so much right now that even when people have concerns, they're not even being addressed or valued. You're just getting shut down and treated like you're an idiot. Yeah. And um, and then <laughs> the amount of peer pressure happening right now is out of this world insane. It's like high school all over, everywhere. <laughs> It's like, if you don't do this, then you're a loser. It's like, no, I cannot do something that everybody else is doing. Like, I've Mm -hmm. had people tell me that about certain things in this past year and a half. Like, I've said to them, why should I do this thing? And the reason was because everybody else is doing it. I've literally had people tell me that. that The reason is everybody (laughs) else is doing it. And I'll say, that will never, ever work on me unless you can think of something better. This conversation is over. Like, unless you have a real reason. And so... There's so much fear about everything, about even having a conversation. Everybody just gets angry and is like, well, everybody else is doing it. Stop being a hard time. Stop being a Karen, Mm -hmm. which is my number one hated phrase right now. I actually told the girls that it's no longer to be spoken in our house because I'm almost not allowed to, I feel like as a white woman, you know, (gasps) almost 40, that if I am to question anything or if I am to ask somebody about something that I am being a Karen Mm. and it's been propagated as this horrible, terrible thing. Like, how dare you get in line? Right. You know, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. Call me whatever name you want. I don't care. Let, let's not decide our convictions based on name calling. Yeah. Right. Um, I think, you know, what's interesting is, so you say convictions and I think that's one of the most, like, one of the most important things that you and I are coming to. Like, we're we're having this discussion as you and I are not coming to convictions, but where do we go with these convictions? And so looking at, I think that's the first step is, what convictions do you have? What are non-negotiables to you? Right? Like, okay, this is not a non, this is a non-negotiable. I'm not going to. Right. Right. And it, like you were saying, our pastor who's taking a huge stance on um, abortion, that's a non-negotiable. It's non, non-negotiable. But I think, you know, as you and I are coming to this area of we've, we've, I want to say towed the line, but that's not necessarily it. We had a intentionality with it of why you and I, we, we want our ministry and we want healing and wholeness for everyone, right? We don't want anything that you and I say or believe to hinder anyone from receiving healing and wholeness. Correct. Right? At the same time, though, simply because of our culture and, you know, we we ask the question, who would you be, you know, in during World War II? Who, Who would have you been? You know, what would have you done? Well, I think... Now's a fantastic time to discover who you would have been, right? Because it's going, okay, uh, nope, this is a non-negotiable now. 
no matter what I am, like, no matter how hard I'm pressed, no, no, this is a no. And, you know, for, but for you and I, with our ministry, we're looking at it going, wait, how do we have a wholeness and freedom ministry? And say some pretty hard things, say some harsh things and, and maybe believe harsh things, apparently. Um, and I don't know. So, well, and I think the question too is, are we separate from our ministry? Like we as person, people and what we believe, well, I think, separate okay. from that. So no, but I think you and I have said, you know what, we have our, our ministry, we'll say platform and not that we put on a facade, we're not fake. But we have we've had grace for things that we're just like, okay, whatever, we can work through that. But it's coming to a time just simply because of our culture now, where it's like that's no longer acceptable. Right? There's hard lines being drawn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, as a result of this, we have to fall on one side or the other. Well, I mean, there's hard lines we've already had to draw. Like uh, concrete um, beliefs that we have. Yeah. So we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Man, there's a there's a lot packed into that statement. A biologically born male yes. and a biologically born female. Correct. We have to define that. We because do, apparently and we do, and we have changing. to. We have to be firm with that. Now, yeah. being clear with that today. Right. In 2001, can cause a lot of controversy. Right. It can cause a lot of barriers. It can cause a lot of people to be offended or hurt or feel like we just don't get them. Right. But it is a concrete statement that we have to make because of who we believe our identity in Christ is and how we believe He has created us to operate. Right. And, um, so there, I mean, even today, there are ministries that will look at that and go, you are hindering people coming to the Lord because of that belief. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, we've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. We talked about mountains we die on. Right. With theology. Right. What are mountains we die on? And 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 it's like um, you and people, I mean, ministries have died on mountains such as women have to wear a head covering to go into church. Right. All the way to... King James Version. King James Version. I mean, that's <clears throat> uh, extreme. All the way to Jesus is the only way. Oh yeah, like that his, you can be saved. Yeah. Like Jesus yeah. is the way, the truth, and the life. And in that scale, what are things that we we are going? What mountains we're going to die mm. on in that? I just saw a statistic that said thirty percent of evangelical Christians, evangelical Christians. No longer believe Jesus is the only way. I saw that as a higher one. Actually, I was just reading an article. It was higher. But, um, yeah, it's very high right now that that's not. So. That's a mountain with, I'm willing to die on. I know. With that said. <laughs> Good night. Our heart is not to be legalistic. Our heart is not that anybody should be. Right. Kept from the gospel. But there are certain standards that we have to have or we no longer are Christians. I think if you don't well, believe that Jesus is. Well, and even Jesus, you our know, Savior, I don't think you can call yourself a Christian. I really don't. Well, and I, 
I'm frustrated by the people who say, well, Jesus would do this or Jesus would do that. Jesus would have gotten the vaccine. Really? I, <laughs> that was an actual conversation I had with someone. <laughs> um, but it's, it's this idea that Jesus was like this massive pacifist. If that was the case, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have been killed by the government. Right? Like, I mean, like, there's things that people read into this. It's a real loaded statement there. (laughs) Yep. I... No, but it's... He told the woman caught in adultery, you're forgiven, but don't sin anymore. Right? Like, it's... it's, We... We we hear... We hear all the time, Jesus would have forgiven. Yeah, and he also would have said, "Eh, you should stop doing that. Right, which I feel is... And I'm going to go there because you just went there with the vaccine. Yes. <laughs> I don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't think that the oh vaccine my. is, if you get the vaccine, it's going to say whether or not you're a Christian. I don't believe that at all. Personally, for me, the vaccine is a line I've drawn. Right. And, Both of us. Right. And I'm not, I'm not mm. going, that's. Let me rephrase that. Masks for me was the line I draw. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that is something that. I am saying, okay, and I'm done. Yep. I'm done complying with the way that I feel my rights are being taken away. Yeah. Because that's that's what I believe. Well, and you... But that's not attached to my salvation. If my friend who I was just talking to got the vaccine, I don't believe they're no longer a Christian and they've denied Christ by getting the vaccine. Personally, politically, I think... I do not trust the vaccine. I do not believe the way that they're forcing it on people is constitutional. I do well, not think that if government mandates such as this are happening, that this is constitutional by any stretch of the imagination. The inconsistency in the people promoting the vaccine is simply enough evidence for me. Pre-election, don't get the vaccine. Post-election, everyone has to get the vaccine. The inconsistency is is ridiculous. But, I mean, if you're listening Um, to this and you're going, well, I believe in the vaccine, great. Yep. That's part of my belief in this country is that if you want to go get a vaccine, you you go get a vaccine. One thing you and I, though, were talking about earlier this week, I'm going to use the vaccine as the example, but it's true of a lot of things and, and in our discussion, that's what we were talking about, was two people can do the exact same thing. But depending upon their motivation in doing that thing, um, cultivates a specific atmosphere around them. So, for example, you have one person who gets the vaccine. Maybe they have pre-existing conditions. Maybe they're they're elderly. They're older. They get the vaccine. In fact, I have good friends who are older. Got the vaccine. Fantastic people, living free, awesome. Over here, you have. Another group of people who are filled with anxiety, filled with fear, and they get the vaccine. And it's almost perpetuating a fear and anxiety, right? So it's two people doing the exact same thing, one doing it out of freedom and another person doing it out of fear. And again, I'm using, well, <laughs> I'm using the va- a vaccine as, as the example, but this is true in a lot of people's lives, right? Where you could do the exact same thing one person's motivated out of freedom, the other person's oops, motivated out of fear and anxiety. And it's what does that cultivate? What is that thing that you're participating in, cultivating in your life and around you? But hasn't every single thing the past year and a half been perpetuating more anxiety and more fear? I mean, has there been any relief from that? Um... I think the potential, yes. I think the potential is greater. For anxiety and fear? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know. But I don't think that is a necessity. No, I, I, I feel like a lot of the anxiety and fear people are dealing with, they always have had. It's just come out in greater measure. Well, yeah, it's like almost been forced out, right? Right. So. Um, it's like the, what is it, the old analogy of a. Of a olive press, like <laughs> oh. you start getting into the grime and 
yeah. Right. But I think both sides can deal with anxiety and fear. I mean, you have the the side that's like, you need to go get the vaccine so that. Oh, this is not a, this is not a liberal versus conservative. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is like, you can have the side of, Hey, you need the vaccine or you are going to kill everybody or don't get the vaccine or you're going to kill everybody. There's fear and anxiety on both sides. Or if you get the vaccine, you're now marked with. Right. The sign of the beast. Which, I mean, that's kind of where you're going with this whole thing is how do end time prophecy and people, all the people talking about it now. I mean, everybody always talks about end time prophecy, but there's a greater extent as things have seemed worse and worse and worse of going, we are in the end times like this. How can you deny it? This is the end times. Things are really, really bad. And there's they're forcing us to get things put into our body and you know all of this yeah. stuff is escalating and for a lot of people they're going this is it yep you know <laughs> I, are you, is that a question you never asked a question you're just <laughs> commenting yeah commenting yeah go ahead hit it uh so i'm going to be very specific here my belief on the end times is that it began when Jesus resurrected from the dead. We've Why been, do you have that belief? Huh? Why do you have that belief? Because all of the, um, well, let me rephrase that. We've been in the end time since the days of John the Baptist, which is what the prophets foretold about the end times. The end times would come with a messenger, John the Baptist, who would prepare the way of the Savior, Messiah, Jesus. So we've been in the end times since John the Baptist. Um, you but have, isn't the end times only seven years and involves Kirk Cameron? It, it does involve Kirk Hammond. That I'm not. That's a non-negotiable. <laughs> um, that specific belief in the end times started in the 1900s. Prior to the 1900s, um, globally the church believed. You'll have pockets, but globally the church believed that it was either, for example, the Book of Revelation or the end times was historical, as in it happened to the Jewish people in the first century. Or that it was the thousand-year reigns was a metaphor. What is that? A metaphor? Analogous? Anyways, um, for a long period of time. So we've been living in the thousand-year reign. Are you saying the Bible thought literal? Um, Passages that are meant to be taken literally? Yeah, those are literal. It's like, uh, what is it? God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So he only, he only owns, owns a I, thousand hills. So, but it's it's a Jewish colloquialism. That's how they would refer to a long or a lot of things. Okay. So Nathan is, his end time beliefs are more of um, the title that's been given to them. Biblical? Are... <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's this belief? I mean, there's different views there's, on end times. Yours is categorized as... It'd be like a partial preterist or all-millennial. Okay. So, (laughs) me, I, you know why I'm batting around both things? I'm not entirely sure of where I lie. I'm going to have to just... My true end times belief is popcorn. (laughs) Basically, whatever you believe is going to happen, that's going to happen to you. (laughs) Yeah, so so everybody gets their own belief system. Yeah, if you're a, um, you know, you're going to go through a tribulation, I'm I'm sure you see tribulation all around you. Right. So here's here's my (laughs) belief. The Bible says Revelation is the only book with a promise that those who study this book will be blessed, right? So there's a promise of blessing of studying end times. Yeah. Now, the problem I have it with it is people get so stuck on how they think it's going to go that yeah. it turns from theory into this, like, theology that is, like, they're dying on the mountain. Well, it's you a know? theology on fear, right? Well, you gotta, and I'm you getting gotta, to that. Oh, I'm getting to that. But they're willing to die on the mountain. And if you don't yeah. share the same in time beliefs, which is so funny to me because it's like, well, how do you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's prophecy, right? Like, how do you know? And I think that we can all have educated guesses or beliefs, but I don't I don't think that when we, we go out and we say, wow, I need to order 500 pounds of wheat berries and yeah. get some survival gear because it's going to get real bad the next seven years and we need to hunker down. And I just don't think that's biblical. 
in the sense of how we're supposed to relate to the world. And people use the end yep. times as the excuse well, that the, that's what we're supposed to do. Here's the frustrating part is you see, you see in America, you know, wars and rumors of wars. And, you know, it could be culture wars. It could be political wars. It could be going to war with Afghanistan. It could be the Taliban. But America's not like, the only country. I mean, we've well, been hold a... Hold you're, um, you're giving away my... I am, I am. Your point... No, and so it's like it, you know we have we we have this massive tumult happening in America, so it must be the end times, where everyone globally would be like, ah, uh, yeah, nope, we've been doing that for a millennia. I mean, there's certain countries that have been war <clears throat> at war for fifty years. Yeah, and there so famines it's, happening. This is the ridiculous different places. thing about the belief that now we're in the end times. Is because America's all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, yeah, where everyone else globally is like, oh, finally, thank God, you know. <laughs> but I don't think they're thinking that. No, but what I'm saying though is, is it's frustrating from our perspective that, uh, that now that we're getting ours, we're a little uncomfortable. Yeah, the other incredibly, um, uh, where is it where something is illogical is Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven um, since the days of John the Baptist is going to grow and it will cover the earth and it will uh, shine light as Isaiah 60 says on the entire world. Um, It's going to, the gates of hell will not prevail against the Mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven, right? All of these things except for seven years at the very end. No. Either things are getting better, or uh, let me rephrase that. Maybe light is being shown on things, and so they're appearing darker. Right, or that— But it doesn't mean things are getting worse and we're going to hell in a handbasket. Well, I mean, and you look at history, gosh, some of the the things in history are terrible. Things other humans would do to each other. I mean, there was open— abuse happening in Rome and everybody was fine with, and and because we have a mixed audience, I'm not going to say what kind, but I mean, you can fill in the blank there, but that was accepted socially. And the thing that our society considers to be the worst thing you can do to another human was openly accepted. And, and that was hundreds of years ago. Right. Right. Like, so we we look at that and we say, well, obviously, wow, look how bad things are. It's like things aren't just getting bad. They've we've went through yeah. valleys and mountains of society choosing how they're going to act and what they're going to consider as a society to be bad or good. And I think I think as a nation, you are you have, as we tell our girls, there's consequences to your behavior, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And I do. I, I don't know. I think end times prophecy is fun. I think it's a fun class. <laughs> I think it's a fun thing to bat around with people. I think it's uh, something that we should study. I don't think that that gives us an excuse to live in fear. I don't think that gives us an excuse to act counter to the no, gospel. No belief as a Christian should ever be justified through fear. Right. Right? Like there's not one because love casts out fear. Right? Love casts out. Yeah, love casts out fear, right? Yeah. Uh, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Love casts out fear. Um, And I think if our theology is ever rooted in or based in or produces fear, then I would argue it's probably not a God-ordained theology or belief. Um. It's interesting. I have this. <laughs> I did a study on on who Jesus like just reading the Gospels, who Jesus, what is it uh, over the majority of Jesus uh, teachings were on hell. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of who he was talking to in the context of those conversations were the religious leaders. And it's interesting that, yeah, he may have talked a lot about hell, but the people he was talking to were not the sinners, were not uh, people genuinely seeking Jesus. 
They were the Pharisees. Those trying to trip him up, those trying to deceive others into some legalistic religious system. Right. Um, just a fascinating observation of, okay, yeah, Jesus talked a lot about hell. Two religious people <laughs> who you would think they would know a lot about it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, this, this atmosphere that we're living in last two years, man, um, I think has brought a lot to light and has challenged a lot of our beliefs in, in the gospel, what the gospel is, who we, who we think Jesus should be. Um, man, even up to Jesus' resurrection, you know, his disciples were still confused. They're like, so when is, when are you going to take down Rome? And he's like, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And tell people about me. Yeah, but when are you coming? Mm-hmm. Or when are you going to defeat Rome? And, I, you know, if, if our savior is ever a political person, a political party, a government system, uh, a geographical country, I'm like, man, our hope is in the wrong thing. Right. right? right. And I think that's a lot of what people are wrestling with specifically as Christians in America is we've lived a pretty posh life and all of a sudden these things that we felt were Christian rights are kind of being pushed up against. Right. And it's forcing us to, you know, question our beliefs. And I would say in a good way, now the answers may, may, you know, maybe we don't want to deal with the answers. And so it's like, ah. Well, and I think that's the question is we are being forced to reconcile with how do we respond to this? Do we just have this pacifist kind of mentality? Like we're going to just keep telling the gospel and hopefully we're going to be able to do that in freedom. If not, we'll do it in secret. Mm-hmm. But that's our role. Or do we push back? against government and authorities and believe in these leaders to push back Rome for the, you know, money for lack of a better term right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Like there is this wrestling, I think that Christians are having with response. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because I think you have to be spirit led. Um, I mean, man, there's so many stories, you know, out of, out of, um, Poland and uh, Norway and Germany about God calling people to do to do two different things, right? So you have um, it was during World War II, Reese Howells, who was called to pray and hold prayer meetings for battles, for mm-hmm. different things, right? So his calling was for prayer intercession and then you have um how goodness who's the guy that prophet preacher bonhoeffer bonhoeffer dietrich who was called to basically organize a was he revolt right i mean he tried to kill hitler yeah that's a controversial one right there (laughs) yeah do you think god could call you to kill somebody In the context of atrocity, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a question of war versus murder, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, these these are questions we yeah. are wrestling with. But is... I th- well, and I that's why I prefaced it with people here. You have to hear the voice of God, not like God told me to go to New York and start shooting people. No. I don't think he will. But in the face of atrocity of millions of people being murdered, 
Maybe. I feel like we need to back this conversation up because it's really? going to scary places. Yeah. Oh. I no. know. I mean, well, no, because sorry, sorry. I mean, so you were it talking just about. It feels like people could take this out of context. Sure. And... So let me rewind a little bit yeah, and go back gosh. to the point Woo. of uh, no, you, we were talking about what is our role. And I think our role is. To I mean, be you're s- not. You, just to clarify, yeah, Nathan I'm not is advocating not advocating assassination no. by any no. stretch of the imagination. When no. you went with Bonhoeffer, I was yeah. really questioning like, that oh, example. No. I was. <laughs> Whenever you're like, in history, I get a little scared because sometimes you put facts together that don't belong. And then sometimes you choose the worst example. Yeah. You know what? I'm an extreme guy. <laughs> what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what I'm saying is, let me clarify for all of you oh. crazies who might take my words and run with them. Um, it, first and foremost, you have to be spirit-led. You know, it's it's get a vaccine, not get a vaccine, right? Those are the, the decisions. Do I put my kids in homeschool? Do I take them to public school? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? All of those, right? Those decisions, the, pra- the practical day-to-day situations, we have to all be spirit-led, right? That's what I'm saying. And so... Um, yeah, I'm just like, like debating right now if I should yeah. ask you to like clip out that entire part because how badly it could be taken. Um, no, it's good wrestle with. It's a good thing to wrestle with whether or not you should assassinate somebody. Oh my word! <laughs> you keep going to like the worst case scenario, which I brought up. So, um, no, that's what. We, but that's what I'm getting back to is the day to day preg like the practical part, right? Do I do I get the vaccine if my boss mandates it? Do I um, get the vaccine if I have to fly for my job? Do I keep my job, right? Like those are the day-to-day practical things that people are worried about. That no, people I know. Are, you know. It's very real right and, now. Yeah, and so that's the area where you, you, if you're married, you and your spouse have to seek the Lord and only do what he's asking you to do. Right. Right. Well, and I think that's where it goes back to the fear thing. Well, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't be led by fear. It has to be, God, do I keep this job? Am I, am I supposed to get the vaccine to keep this job? Am I, and here's where, you know, more the rebellious side comes out is, God, do I keep my job? Yes. Do I get the vaccine? No. Wait. Okay, well then how do I do that? <laughs> right? Right, and that's yeah. where that's where it yeah. it gets a little dicey. Or it, or do I send my kid to school? Yes. Do I force them to wear a mask? No. Right? It's in the Okay, so then either I'm going to become the parent <laughs> who speaks out, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean really that's what God would be leading you into is 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 if you're taking a controversial stance at a job that you feel like God's leading you into or keeping right. you at then then the question becomes, okay, God, I need your words, I need your wisdom, and I need your guidance to say the right thing, even if it's a, a hard thing, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're leading me into this, then you have to care for me. You have to care for my family. You have to care for us. And I think, <clears throat> you know, going back to the conversations with people, um, you know, we talk a lot about how assuming the best about people, and and I think that applies to this too. That nine times out of ten, the people you're having conversations with, to assume the best about them and to be able to engage them in a way that is loving, right? And yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes you're going to run into people that don't care what you have to say and are so stricken by fear that they're scared of your opinions or scared of your viewpoints or scared of you not wearing a mask or they're scared of you not mm-hmm. having the vaccine. And that, I mean, that's going to be more prevalent in different locations um, in the U.S., right? Like we live in an area where that's not as common. I mean, I'm able to walk around without a mask and not really get challenged much, but I drive an hour away and I, and I am, I really, really am. And um, <laughs> yeah. so, but that, I, I think that even in that, choosing to not get offended, choosing to not lash out and just realize that other people are caught up in fear. That I mean, yeah. I, I met some people a few weeks ago that had had people that had died from 
um, died from COVID and they worked in the medical field. And so they were definitely pro-vaccine. They were definitely coming at it from a different angle. And um, we had a really nice time with these these people, actually. They're really awesome. But we had different viewpoints on... Wait, did you say you had a nice time with someone you disagreed with? I did. I did. And we used to be able to do that before this year. Hold on. Yeah. How is that even possible? (laughs) I know. Wait. (laughs) You know. No, but I I think you're... You bring up a great point is standing up for what is true and being willing to be, uh, like being willing to be that person that objects doesn't mean you have to get crazy or emotional or angry, right? It, it, we're not saying be the crazy person. We're saying be spirit led in whatever God asks you to do. But it doesn't mean you have license to do or say anything, anything you you want, right? And and I think that's where the fruit of the spirit, as you're walking with the spirit, you will possess the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control. Yeah, but they need to hear, do they? Like you're saying, maybe they're struggling with fear, and what they need to hear is grace. What they need to hear is patience. What they need to hear is, um, you know, someone who's joy filled. Well, right? and I think so much of what's been happening has been so divisive, and we are at we are at such a divisive point in society where everybody is mad all the time. Everybody is scared all the time, and it doesn't take much to get somebody mad at you. I mean, I, I was at a Six Flags a few weeks ago, and um, I went to, this is a big old bench, huge bench, and this woman <laughs> had a face mask on, and she was sitting at the end of the bench, and I said to her, I mean, I, I kept I kept my yeah. distance. Yeah. I said to her, do you mind if I sit on the other end of this bench? And she looked up at me and almost looked like I was about ready to waterboard her or, you know, cut off her arm, and she just... <laughs> Steal her child Oh, my gosh, something. it was... It was a comical, the response. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, number one, why are you Translation. at a theme park? Translation. This wo- yeah, you, this woman came up to me earlier today and asked if she could murder me. Right. <laughs> I'm like, number one, why are you at a theme park if you have this much fear? Right. Number two, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the reality yeah. of yeah. the amount of fear and anxiety that people are walking around with. And yeah. I don't know the reason. I don't know why somebody's at that point. But what I do know is that I have a choice in how I respond. I'm, I have my convictions about things, but I also am called to love and care yeah. for people. And so I didn't obviously go near her or the bench. So I, think, <laughs> I let her have her eight foot long bench and didn't, you know. Didn't so I think you bring it. up. I think you bring up a fantastic point about deference. As Christians, we have we show deference. As far as it uh, as what is it? Paul says in Romans, "As far it be unto you, be at peace with all men." Right. As far as you're concerned, try to be at peace with all men. Do your best. Right. Don't stir up or generate controversy where there doesn't have to be. Like you were saying, can I sit here? Oh, no, you're freaking out. Okay, I'm just going to go walk over here, right? right? Like I don't need that in my life. Yeah. Someone would be like, yeah, but Lacey, you have the freedom to sit there. This is a free country. You should have sat down. Yeah, but I'm also a Christian, part of a greater country called the kingdom of heaven. Right. And I'm just going to choose deference on this one, right? But again, this is why we can't draw hard and fast lines. Well, I mean, because I was thinking that you have another example of if I was a policymaker, do I just show deference to everybody and what everybody wants? If I'm a policymaker, I've been elected to do a job. Based on certain beliefs that I have, and I need to carry out those beliefs in my policy. Mm -hmm. So there is a variation there of, Roles and responsibility based on the situation you find yourself in. Right, just like you have a role and responsibility to our girls when we're out in public to defend them. Right, so I will give another example 
um, when a mask is put on one of my kids, they have anxiety attacks. Yep. And they're not minor. And they are... And we get to live with them the rest of the day. Well, and also, <laughs> the way it affects her yeah. is terrible. Yep. And I... The last time, I mean, I... I'm, I told her to put one on, and this was a while ago, out of deference. Mm-hmm. And... She obviously had an attack, and it was bad. And um, I thought to myself, why am I preferring that person above my daughter Mm. who I've been given to Mm -hmm. care for? And they don't have to understand. Yeah. They don't have to get it. But here's the reality that I know what it costs my kid. And so I just looked at her, and I said, I am so sorry. Yeah. I will never ask you to do that again. I am so sorry. Yeah. That broke my heart Um, that I was willing to value somebody else over Mm. my own child. Yeah. You know, somebody somebody else's fear, because that's all it was. It was fear. And that goes back to what you're saying about kind of the the tension between deference and responsibility. Right. Right. Like, depending on the situation we are in, we show deference or we have a responsibility. Right. Um, and everyone does. Every individual has those spheres. They have a deference sphere and they have a responsibility fear, a sphere. And again, I am beating it like a dead horse. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Right? Right. Bottom line, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you can't hear the Holy Spirit's voice in your life, should check out some of our resources. Right. And I think, <laughs> I think along with that, you know, if you feel like you are being called to stand up and be a voice <laughs> and to challenge things. If God is asking, God is putting, asking it, you putting to, it in our terms, God is asking you to have a responsibility. Right. To, yeah. to not be alone. Yep. If your job is calling you to do it and you feel like you need to stand up against that, don't be alone. Find yep. other people that agree with you and choose to be united on that. Yep. Because I think... This whole isolation thing has been very strategic from the very beginning. Yeah. And not just, I mean. Well, you, you, made, the, you made the observation that now that we have face masks, things are impersonal. Yes. Which means I can act impersonally where right. people have acted impersonally it's towards like people us. People act online yeah. very <clears throat> however they want because they feel like yeah. they don't have accountability. People, I think, yep. feel the same kind of entitlement in a face mask. Yeah. And a- along with that, the, um, <laughs> you know, back to the whole isolation thing that I was saying about it being a plan. Yeah. Believe what you want. Conspiracy. I mean, a lot of conspiracies have turned out to be fact, but I'll just leave that there. Whatever you want to believe about conspiracies. <laughs> it reminds me of a meme I saw earlier. <laughs> Whatever you want to believe about them, there is a conspiracy, and it is Satan. He comes mm-hmm. to lie, kill, destroy. So wherever yep. you land with that, there is a conspiracy to isolate us yep. from Satan, isolate us from our families, isolate us from the church, yep. isolate us from um, accountability. And we've been seeing that happen. We've been seeing people leave the church because it's easier. We've been see- seeing people separate from their family because <laughs> of fear. We've been seeing people um, also separate from their family because of viewpoints. So isolation is an enemy right now. However you believe it's being promoted, it is an enemy that you need to fight back against. And the way we fight back against isolation is through unity Mm -hmm. and through the ability to care about one another, to care about one another. Yeah. It reminds me of the verse, we wrestle not against flesh and blood people. Yes. Other people. Right. But there's greater things that we are wrestling against, spiritual, spiritual spheres and atmospheres and and beings that we're wrestling against in our warfare is not one of of swords and guns and and um <clears throat> not advocating for pacificity but our weapons are not of this world they're spiritual weapons and you know we can look at uh so and so's you know president or so and so's not president and they should be or so and so's legitimately president but they're not president whatever you want to say we're not wrestling against them we're wrestling against the enemy 
of of our souls of our 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 spiritual right. enemy and so we have to approach people in situations in that way right and so um again my my you know i've said it but my default would be to if you ever are faced with situations where you just don't know what to do how to respond what to say don't have words for, or maybe you have all the words and you've been planning this your whole life and are super excited to finally be able to act out. Stop <laughs> and pray. God, what are you asking me? What are you asking of me right now? What are you asking of me? Uh, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to behave? What do you want me to do? And maybe ask the opposite question if you enjoy talking a lot. What help me not say? Help me not act out or behave right but again it all falls back to are you being led moment by moment by the holy spirit like jesus was moment by moment sometimes he got out of trouble sometimes he got into trouble either way he was led by the holy spirit into that circumstance right and, and it, so yeah i'm sorry to cut you off well I'm no no no. it was just it was just the idea that because if we're not led by the spirit we're going to find ourselves in circumstances that he never put us in and so it's like, oh, man. <laughs> and also my encouragement is that if you find yourself dealing with things that you've managed to keep at bay <laughs> <laughs> or that you're noticing are kind of overtaking your life, whether it be anxiety or depression or um, conflict, pay attention to that and don't just blame it on current events but that the Lord might be allowing you to be more mindful of that yeah, because say, it's an issue. I, I've personally had a lot of conversations with people who exactly to that point, the circumstance they're finding themselves in with everything that's going on is bringing up deep, deep, deep seated issues that they're a few of them have been like, oh, yeah, I've tried to push that down, <laughs> but I can't anymore. It's, it's, it's there. Yeah, it's and there now. And so here's, here's the thing. <laughs> I think a lot of people are hoping for that to go away when things get better or when things change. So yeah. their hope of change is not on themselves. It's on government policy or mm. uh, end to this. Now, those issues are internal, and they won't go away based on that. You might be able to push them down again easier, but they're still there. And so let this be actually looked at in your mind as a good thing mm -hmm. that you are now aware that this is a struggle yep. and that God wants you free yep. and that he has solutions, he has victory, and that he is for you. And so if you're realizing, wow, anxiety is a bigger deal in my life than I <laughs> thought it was. Depression's a bigger deal in yep. my life than I thought it was. Don't be... Um, misguided in thinking that if all this goes away, that's going to go away too. That it's, it's, it's inside of you, right? Yeah. Like yeah. policymakers are not going to be able to free you from that. Yeah. It is the, the spirit of God that it's going to be able to give you freedom from that. And um, so I just, I kind of want to, are we at a point where we can pray? And Yeah, I was actually going to ask if you wanted to yeah, close I, this I out with Yeah, I would love prayer. to. And, and I want to <clears throat> let you know, you know, we goodness, we do not have all the solutions, not at all, but we have some awesome resources and tools that we have developed to help um, with these issues specifically yeah. that we've been talking about. And so I want to encourage you to check out our website if that is something you're like, no, I'm ready to, ready start, to dealing start dealing with, with it. Yeah. And also um, just know that God is for you. And when you start opening up your heart and being real with him and asking him for freedom, he's not He's not going to leave you on your own. He's going to yeah. give you freedom. But it is work. Yeah. And I think when things are hard like that, we want somebody else to fix it for <laughs> us or it just to go away. And so my encouragement to you is to um, not let that be your mentality. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Lord God, I pray that as we've been talking, that if there's been things that have been um, brought to light in our mind that we no longer want to deal with, no matter current events, no matter policy, no matter circumstances, these things that we want freedom from, I pray that you may give us clarity, that you may give us the ability to see it for what it is, that it is an attack on us personally, on our heart, and our mind, on our family, and that we may refuse to let the enemy win. I pray, Jesus, that we may be willing to move forward with you into freedom. I ask, Holy, Holy Spirit, that you may give us the next step, whatever that may be, 
that you may give us the next step. And right now, I, if you're praying this, I want you to just mm. ask him what that next step is. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you may empower us to move to that next step, that we may trust that perfect love drives out fear. It drives out fear. There's no place for it. We just ask for your spirit to move in an incredible way. I thank you that the need is so great right now and that our expectation is so great. And we pray that we may see revival like we've never seen before. I pray for a harvest like we've never seen before among all the plans of the enemy, that they may be defeated and we may throw it back in his face knowing that you are greater, that you have the final word. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I will say I'm going to link a teaching I did about end times with this podcast. So, uh, Go ahead and clickety-click on that, and then I'll do a couple of the resources that uh, that we recommend. So, wow, this was a big one. Yeah, I'm a little... I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You kind of turned into a wild child or a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> well, okay. Oh. Goodbye. <laughs>